you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Daryl Lubansky. Welcome, Daryl. Honor and pleasure to be here. Fantastic. I'm super excited to talk with you today. We are definitely going to talk about management and management from a science point of view. So Mm. before we jump into that, though, there's people around the world, believe it or not, who don't yet know who you are. Could you give them a little introduction to who you are and how you ended up where you are right now? Sure. So my biggest claim to uh, fame is helping create seven-figure online automated income streams. Uh, The first one was with a single marketing strategy. So that led me to get a lot of different clients to do this sort of thing. And after repeating my success a couple of times, um, I started trying to figure out, I started coaching and I um, trying to figure out why some of my clients I was coaching were having success and others weren't, right? Because I wasn't content just to get paid. Um, I wanted to make sure that I had a lasting impact. And as I said to you right before we hit record, you know, especially when the pandemic hit, I grew up in a house of applied physics and geology. So it was like a hard science type house. And so everybody's arguing about the science of this, the science of that, and the great resignation sort of thing. Everybody was changing careers. And I realized that there would be blood in the water and a lot of the fake gurus would be coming out. I call them weekend gurus. And I don't mean to throw anyone under the bus. But when you're starting a business, you're gambling your reputation, your retirement, your ability to pay your medical bills, put food on the table for your kids. And there's a lot of people that they pay like a thousand bucks. They do a weekend certification. They have this Chinese certificate and they're like, hey, now you should risk everything on me and my advice. And I think that there's a room for specialized knowledge uh, for sure. And a lot of people were all just trying to figure out a way. But I just want to say, what did the science have to say about business success? So I spent $50,000 of my own money and now over two years to go through all the published uh, literature we can get our hands on, on specifically on business success for small businesses, medium-sized businesses, uh, irrespective of government, irrespective of economic conditions. And so uh, that's kind of been the, my, my soapbox is trying to get word out about this because the world, the business, businesses around the world have been decimated. I'm a firm believer and small business owners and and the entrepreneur that we fuel the economy. I'm not a big fan of centralized control. And so I really think we have to empower the people. And I think entrepreneurship is a great way to do that. I believe in a meritocracy. I'm a fan of capitalism, but not crony capitalism. And um, so I really just want to get word out about these eight factors. Cool. Well, let's let's jump straight into it. Tell us more. Tell us more. So the eight critical success factors are self-efficacy, market intelligence, strategic planning, marketing strategy, sales strategy and skills, money management, business operations, and business intelligence. These are the eight critical success factors. Now, it doesn't matter if the economy is good or bad. All a business owner can do is focus on these eight success factors. It doesn't matter if the government is friendly or hostile. It doesn't matter if you're in Vietnam, Thailand, Singapore, America, Canada, Australia, it doesn't matter. These are the only eight things. So uh, we looked at, and I'll I'll actually share my screen here. I don't, for those that can't see, actually I I won't, because most people will be consuming this audio only, but basically 
We did a, if you don't know what a meta-analysis is, a meta-analysis is when someone does kind of what we did. They go through and they read a hundred or a few thousand studies on a specific specific topic or, or, or category. And then they make a, like a summary report and that's called a meta-analysis. Well, we looked exclusively for meta-analyses. I'm looking at one from done in Saudi Arabia on critical success factors for small and medium-sized businesses. There's one on Harvard Business Review, what sets successful CEOs apart. They looked at 2,500 of the world's biggest companies. Um, all Indonesia, factors affecting business success. Uh, all these different, meta, so we did a meta-analysis of meta-analyses and we listed all the factors that they proved, right? Because all these came with conclusions at the end. Like the Saudi Arabia one, it's just because at the top of the list, uh, it's not in any order, but they proved that individual factors mattered, management factors mattered, business support, capital availability were positively correlated with business success. Two things were proved ineffective, business characteristics and the business environment. That's an example where like, okay, but how does that translate into something applicable for me? And we went through all these studies, all these things, and we tried to organize and go, what are the umbrella universal categories that these fit under? And that's where we came up with those eight factors. So now I'm going to break them down each a little bit because sometimes some of you kind of get like market intelligence. Okay. But what, like, you know, let's get into the nitty gritty. Yep. Elon Musk is quoted as saying, you know, if you work hundred hours a week and your competitors work 20 hours a week, you'll just outwork them. And that's sort of true. Um, I mean, obviously just from a pure logic mathematic point, it, it sounds like it would be true. Self-efficacy in business. So what is self-efficacy? Well, self-efficacy is your ability to get things done, right? To be effective via yourself and others. But it wasn't enough just to know that factor. We actually want to know the pieces that made up. Good science has specific explanations with variables that are hard to vary. So for example, the Greeks used to have a myth about why we had winter. I think it was the Greeks. And it was because some goddess was kidnapped and raped. And so the world got, you know, sad when she was got like she was allowed to visit her family once a year. But, it, you know, they didn't know that there was a northern and hem southern hemisphere. They didn't know that some countries didn't have winter. And if they did find out, they would just change the story a little bit. And that's not good science. Right. We used to think we were the center of the universe because just through observation, everything seems to be spinning around us. But there is I forget his name. There was a, an astronomer who had a theory that the sun was the center, but they had no way to prove it until Galileo thought of the experiment and noticed with his telescope that he could measure the phases of Venus, just like you see phases of the moon, a full moon, a crescent moon, a partial moon. You could see, he, could, he could set up his telescope and measure and count the days between that. And the only explanation that would help describe that would be if there a certain alignment was in place and the sun was the center of it all. So good science has specific explanations that you can't really vary any of the details of without ruining the like prediction. So to get more specific in this, what is self-efficacy? Well, again, like there's a lot of time management, personal productivity, the hustle, grind, rah, 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 but self-efficacy, according to our research, because then we went in again and did the same thing. Okay, if self-efficacy is a factor, let's look at self-efficacy in business. And we listed all these meta-analyses and what are the universal factors? And there are three, specific personality traits, specific leadership skills, specific personal discipline. So for example, what is leadership? It's just a vague, it's like the word branding. Like what is branding? You got to work on your brand. Like what do people do with that? Well, leadership, if you want to improve your leadership skills, you need to improve specifically your self-awareness skills, your communication and cooperation skills, your emotional intelligence skills, and your adaptability skills. 
That's what leadership is, according to our research. That is our specific description of what it means to be a good leader. Personality traits are locus of control, which is, means being a control freak about the things under your control. These are the personality traits of the most successful entrepreneurs, right? Having a locus of control, extroversion, openness to experience, agreeableness, conscientiousness, and acceptance of criticism and feedback. Now we can make the case for why this may be so. Extroversion, if you and I weren't willing to meet new people, meet each other, right? Networking is a part of business. You got to get yourself out there. Not everyone's going to love what you do, right? You're going you're gonna to have to kiss a lot of frogs to get your product right. I've never seen a business launch a product that was just perfect right out the gate. You got to be willing to accept criticism and feedback, right? Personal disciplines. There's personal health, mental health, right? There's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. So there's a, a really strong relationship between your physical fitness and your mental health, your mental fortitude. So physical health is sleep, diet, exercise. Those are the three pillars. Improving your physical fitness improves your mental health. There's also things like gratitude and that, you know, uh, like self-talk that all fit under mental health. But then also under personal disciplines, you need to have time management skills. You need to have discipline. You need to have a sense of urgency. Because if I don't urgently get this out the door, by the time I launch my thing, a competitor may have launched something else that makes mine irrelevant, right? We're all pursuing excellence. We all should be pursuing excellence. That's self-efficacy. Any questions? Should I keep going? Any questions? Or I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. So from, from your experience, right, where, where do you see business owners generally struggle the most? Like, well, is so, it... Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It, it, it really do, depends. Do you, do you see that it's like common where people are strong or is it very individual who's good at what and so on? Yeah, it really does depend. I get this question a lot. They're like, what's the one ring to rule them all? And the one ring to rule them all is your bottleneck. So what I mean by that is there's eight factors. And a lot of people, if they're new, they might just be struggling to get sales through the door, right? A blockbuster was a billion dollar company. They used to post two to four or even $6 billion in, in profit per year. And they got wiped out by Netflix. They lost touch with the market and they had a terrible strategy. They had the opportunity to buy Netflix. And we're like, man, Blockbuster could have bought any talent they wanted. They could have beaten and outdeveloped Netflix and any technology. And they didn't. Netflix is an, uh, sorry, not Netflix, newspapers. Newspaper subscriptions used to be considered rivers of gold. But when they started drying up, newspaper companies didn't know what to do. They lost touch with the marketplace. They had terrible strategy, right? And it, was, it became a race for who can hold on the longest while someone figures this out. So who can figure it out? And who can hold on the longest so they find someone to copy? Uh, Enron posted $101 billion, with a B, dollars in profit. One year, I think it was 2000, either 2000, 2001. The next year, they went bankrupt. They had terrible business operations, terrible money management. So it really, really depends. Actually, yesterday, a friend and I were talking about uh, a, a guru who shall remain unnamed. First name was Kevin. He was a guru in the space. He, the FTC went after him for $35 million for false advertising and just an obscene amount of complaints. And so he had bad business intelligence. His marketing and sales were strong. His market intelligence was strong. Maybe his strategy was great. But he didn't have business intelligence. He wasn't paying attention to how he was being perceived by his customers, by the market. And in the end, it ended up him being, you know, 
basically banned from ever ever doing business again and and owing thirty five million dollars. You know, you could talk about F, FTX. Is it the stock exchange now? Right. That's like that's another example. Poor money management. Right. Yeah. Poor operation. So it really depends on the person's weakness. And we've gotten into the granular nit and gritty for each of these eight factors. So not only do we have that, we actually have measurement tools to help people help us assess a company or an, or an individual strength in each, each category. But it's all about the bottleneck. For example, if company has really good marketing and sales, uh, let's say they're an agency. I'm, I'm just pulling something out of my butt. It doesn't matter. They're, they're corporate cleaning, right? They're corporate cleaners. Uh, they're window washers. doesn't matter. They're whatever. They're a marketing agency, but they can only handle five or 10 clients while maintaining like happy customers and long, right. And like wanting people more marketing and sales, isn't going to get them anywhere. They have a bottleneck. If they're marketing, it's, I mean, it's good to have people on a waiting list. So, you know, like leads and sales and marketing are kind of the lifeblood, so to speak. But at the same time, you also want to try to operate your business as if you could never get another new customer. Yeah. Because then you're going to take great care of the people you've got and you're going to find out how to get more referrals and what else you can offer those people. And that builds your lifetime customer value, which helps you spend more money to get more customers on the front end. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And that's yeah. I, I think that's probably the, the biggest struggle for most companies, honestly, like like so many businesses don't really understand what are the core numbers to look at right so like just having that understanding just having an understanding of where's the value being provided and you know what are the things that that will effectively make a huge difference right yeah um, well and some companies have great marketing strategy they have strong sales teams but their market intelligence is off and they're not they're not in touch with the customer with the with the market and and maybe new development it yeah. could be the opposite, you know. That's why we put sales strategy and skills together. McDonald's, their strategy is impulse level price points and to basically yeah. sell in the advertising. So they're they're the sales skill of their staff just has to be basically order takers. Yeah. Right. So the the that's why we put those two together because depending on your marketing strategy, you need you know how it fits with your sales strategy, what kind of sales skills you need in terms of follow-up and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um so again, it's really a bit of a catch-22. There might be people that are really in tune with their market, but they're all based on referrals, word of mouth, because they have no marketing strategy. Yeah. They have no sales team. So it's again, and sometimes there's companies that are have everything, but the yeah. business owners have substance abuse issues or their hearts and passions. There's the, the product market founder fit isn't there. They got product market fit, but the founder fit isn't there. And as the driver of the company, they're just so preoccupied with, their real passion that the business isn't, isn't making. So that's, again, that's why it's hard to say there's one ring to rule them all, so to speak. You know, at the end of the day, you could say self-efficacy because yeah. it's like what Elon said, all things being equal. If you put in a ton of hours, hopefully you might figure it out, but it's not realistic when you have kids. It's not realistic, you know? No, I, I don't generally recommend for people to schedule 35 minutes a day for their kids. Right. So, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, the hours can definitely, I, I look at it slightly different. I think I, hours can make up for some of your shortcomings, right? Right. Yes. Um, that That's generally how I look at it. Like you, you can work your way out of certain situations and so on. Right. But usually if you have to work a lot, it's usually because you haven't covered 
the base yes. as well. Because the thing is, if you have the right leadership skills, if you're capable of hiring the right people around you and so on, then fundamentally your, your requirement and your need to, to work as much generally decreases, right? So obviously right. for most people, if you are a great business owner, right, you're spending more time, everything else being equal probably helps the company more. But but fundamentally is that a successful company will, will grow and, and scale even when you're not putting in the hours if you put the right people in place, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, whether you do it or somebody else does it, those things must get done. Yeah. And so if you're charging enough, you can hire help. Like there's a lot, again, it comes into the variable, you know, yeah. if you're not, and this is where uh, an economic downturn, sometimes people are, they're nice to have, not need to have, you know, yeah. or they're, they're trying to sell the 10 cent item versus, you know, the $1, $10, $100 fix that maybe would be the same market, same customers. They're just yeah. not thinking big enough. And so there's, and it's not easy, you know, um, so for a lot of businesses, the first thing is just get your roof and ramen covered, like your bills and just some food in. And then after that, you have to start looking at these variables. And, you know, that's why I say the eight critical success factors, a business, a business operations are to, you know, it's the cybersecurity. It's your, uh, where you host your IP, your meeting rhythms, your, your hiring, your legal compliance, right? Your, that sort of stuff. That's all under yep. business operations, the glue that holds things together. Yep. Um, and then business intelligence, I think I already said that it's the feedback loop. So those are the eight factors. And just by going through those eight, I'm sure there's some people that are like, well, I'm good at this. I'm not so good at that. And that's a really good, just really simple acid test. Like, what do you need? And then you need to fix your bottleneck. If we went through this list, you got customers, you got sales, you got your bills paid. Uh, that's great. But, you know, like we said before, are, is your sales and marketing stronger than your client fulfillment? You know, uh, are you yeah. just kind of just getting by? Do you, are you are you investing anything in R and D? Like emerging technology and trends is part of market intelligence. You know, being able to create a strategy about where things are going. In today's day and age, you wouldn't want to be selling fax machines. You know, in the era of digital file transfers and email, even if you had a business and you were getting by, sort of, is that is that still going to be there it's, in ten years? It's not a long term uh, success. Option right, yeah. right. So, and all these things interplay together, hundred um, yeah. percent. Yeah, we, I would we... say my my experience is definitely a lot of people, uh, particularly small business owners, entrepreneurs types. Uh, a lot of them have not found the right product market fit. Right, like they're making money, they're they're getting money in, but they're typically not niche down in in a sensible way. Right, so they're they're grabbing every customer they can find yeah. everywhere, yeah. whatever they're offering. They're like, can you help me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll do it. We'll, we'll, we'll help you, et cetera. Right. And and they, they haven't, they haven't pinpointed their market effectively. And, and yeah. I think from, from a growth inhibitor, that's probably the number one thing that I work with most clients on, right. Is, is trying to get that piece right. Yeah, a hundred percent. Forgive my French in advance. I'm going to swear, but it's riches and niches, bitches. You know, that's the, that's the real, you know, if you're for every, a great thought experiment on this is say that your loved one is at home. They're suffering with a migraine. It's just unbearable. They can't do anything. They've been suffering. They've been in bed all a day already, day and a half. This migraine won't go away. They're just stuck there. And 
they send you to the to the to the store to get some medicine and you go to whatever it is where you live shoppers drug mart mercury drug whatever that medical store is and you go in and for whatever reason there's no one there and all the shelves are empty but there's only two items on the shelf and one is this big four liter thing of green goo and it says cures all and it's like 99 cents it's like a buck and right beside it is this tiny bottle of just 10 pills but it says cures migraines fast 10 minutes or less 100 effective and it's three dollars which one are you going to get Right. You're going to get the yeah. one that I I know this is going to sell. The other one says it cures all, but it doesn't tell me how fast it's going to take. How long do I need to drink the whole thing? She's in pain. Unless you're on a budget, you're going to go with the better fit. When you buy shoes, nobody buys a shoe. You buy a hiking shoe, a running shoe, a walking shoe, a golf shoe, a hockey shoe, a soccer. Like you, it's all, it's niched. It's that specialization. And the other thing that a lot of small business owners struggle with is the the, the marketing strategy where they, they kind of, maybe they're like a local business. They're kind of like a, um, a landmark in the city, but they can't expand to other cities. And that's because they don't have a marketing strategy. Their marketing strategy was essentially location and personal relationships, which are great, but it's tough to scale if you're trying to build that business to other locations. And so that's typically what separates a small business from a nationwide brand or international brand is the ability to market and generate leads and sales. If you think of Geico, an insurance company, 15 minutes can save you 15% on car insurance has been basically the only thing that company has said for that I've heard for 10 years. They've had clowns say it, dogs say it, they've had singing chihuahuas, they've had everybody, but it's always 15 minutes can save you 15% on car insurance. And because they've learned that that's the offer, that's the message, that's the unique selling proposition that gets them the, the highest volume of the lowest quality lead they can do something with. They do life insurance. They do business insurance. They do all these other types of insurance. But if you have a car, you typically have an income. If you have an income, we can talk about these other insurance. A car is like the default thing. So for 10 something years, that's been their, it's been their big offer, right? Yep. That was, yep. That was and, big and, and I, th I think when you're looking at marketing in general, right? I mean, I am definitely no guru in marketing per se, but uh, but the the key thing is always understanding like what is it you're offering and who is your core target and and actually spending time really figuring that out makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. I, I think fundamentally, um, just understanding the niche piece and and I always say don't focus niche and as an who are you serving, focus on niche as a process, right? What is the one process that you're extremely good at executing and how can you execute that one thing again and again and again, right? Mm. That's how I look at niching down because fundamentally a lot of people are like, okay, well, if I only do web development and social media and online marketing for carpenters, then I'm really niche. But like, no, you're still, you're still offering something that takes 20 different skill sets to fulfill, right? Mm. Whereas niching fundamentally is all about looking at the process it's simplification because the whole point is that if you do the same thing over and over and over again then you become really good at it and the mm -hmm. thing is it's not about you becoming good at it it's about what happens because what happens is when you become good at something fundamentally you can you deliver more value so if mm -hmm. you're working with a dentist one day and a carpenter the next day and a, i don't know a, 
a driller the next day, you know, yep. they, you don't know and understand their business well. Now, if you only work with carpenters, then you get to understand their business really well. You get to know exactly what's working from day one, because when you have worked with a carpenter in Ohio and a carpenter in Florida comes to you, you, you understand the market, right? And yeah, yep. there's slight differences, but you know, the lingo they use, you, you know, and understand all the deeper aspects, right? And that in itself, that just that that's how you grow and scale. Because if you can do something extremely well, right, and you provide more value than your competitors because you're niche down, then fundamentally what happens is you provide more value. Now here's the yep. trigger: you can charge more for it because right. you're doing better than your competitors. So fundamentally, right. it you you become faster and better at doing it. And you can charge more money. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a the income earning ladder. Generalists earn what generalists can earn. People who earn more than generalists, say a dentist. A general dentist earns what a general dentist can do. A specialist, like an orthodontist, earns more than a dentist. And it's because of the confidence in the result. A dentist might be able to figure out how to do it because they're in mouths all the time. And we, but they don't have the specialized training, so you're not as confident in the result. And the people who earn more than a specialist are the trainers of specialists because one, they train people to become a specialist. So that's like an income stream. But also as the trainer, you may not be the best in the industry, but hopefully I'm going to get industry standard. So I would pay a trainer a specialist more because I have a higher confidence, higher level of confidence that I'm going to get the intended result. And the people who earn the most are celebrities just because of supply and demand. So yeah. then the supply, the celebrity in the niche will earn the most because of supply and demand. So it's about the confidence. This is really about uh, sales strategy and skill to go back to my eight factors where this, the having that specific thing for sure, it simplifies your business processes. If it's something that you're, if you're always doing custom work, it's hard to train other people on how to do it. If McDonald's had different menus, every location you went to, they would have the supply chain would be pure chaos. But no matter where I go to McDonald's, there's like the core fundamentals are there. I'm going to get fries. I'm going to get a Big Mac. I'm going to get a if the machine's working, I'm going to get a, a shake, you know, uh, there's going to be a playground. So all this stuff streamlines it so they can have scale. The way you think about marketing strategy, I call this the food court test. Marketing strategy is a little bit different where you have to kind of know psychology. So for example, food court, you're at a busy mall. Everyone's there and you want to, you know, you work for, you want to sell some ice cream. And so a lot of people think branding. And so for me, branding is like getting on a table in this middle of the busy food court and just going, Baskin and Robbins. And everyone just kind of look at you and be like, okay, and just keep walking. But a good marketing strategy instead would be if you got on the table at this busy food court and yelled out, free ice cream. And then when people come over, you go, hey, we have five flavors. Which one would you like to taste first? By the way, it's $3 for a tub and you can get two for five bucks. Which one's the best for you? That's more of a marketing strategy where how do you get people at scale? You know, the, the rule of 10,000, how do you get 10,000 people's attention? How do you generate 10,000 leads? How do you organize and qualify and sort them? You know, how do you deliver them to salespeople on a platter, so to speak? So that way they're yeah. most likely just taking orders, but it's tough if everything you do is custom, it's yeah. going to be tough to scale going to be tough to deliver consistent, reliable results. It's going to be tough to delegate. It's going to be tough to clearly articulate in your marketing what result you're going to provide. 
So you're right on that 100%, the simplification of process. I love that. I think that's really, 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 really important. Because, really it, important. And, and this is fundamentally key, right? So, so as you said, like when, when you're looking at it from a business standpoint, you, and, and one of my key triggers when I work with, with people is if you cannot train someone to do it, when, when someone comes to me and says, you know, oh, you know, what I'm doing is too complex. I can't train anyone. Uh, what I always tell them is, no, it's not that it's too complex. You have basically set up a system and a framework that only you can operate. Right. Which, which means fundamentally you've not built a business, but you've built yourself a full-time job. job. Right? It might yeah. be a well-paid yeah. full-time job, but yeah. fundamentally, if you leave, if you get sick, if you go to hospital, your business struggles. Right. right. And eventually 100%. it will go under. So if you want to build an actual business, you need to make yourself replaceable. And the only way to do that is focus on simplification of the delivery process. Right? 100%. 100%. I love that. Yeah. A lot of people confuse being self-employed with, um, you know, having a business. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we're in some, there's nothing wrong with being good at something and getting paid well for it yeah. at all. 100%. But a business, you know, problems are markets and a business should be able to solve that problem with or without you. McDonald's, you don't go through McDonald's. I, I'm not a huge fan of McDonald's. It's just, it's an example that no matter where people are in the world, they're going to know what I'm talking about. You go through drive through they're like, sorry, Lisa's sick. There's no drive through today. Like, no, they've got documentation and a process. Like they built a billion dollar brand off of hiring teenagers, essentially. Like that's, that's, that's a great way to think about it. You need to know what problem you solve and have it so dialed in and do it at a profit, you know, that you could hire teenagers. You say people don't fail, systems do. Yeah. And that's a big part of it. You know, that's the sacred knowledge problem. Yeah. The sacred knowledge. That's often what kills companies' growth as well. When you talk about limiting factors like operation, there's a sacred knowledge problem. There's one person that has all the keys. And that's where you get companies, uh, employees that hold companies hostage, you know, this sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Dal, very interesting conversation. Very interesting conversation. What sort of resources have been most helpful to you throughout your business journey? Like what are some resources that you would recommend for, for other people to get their hands on to, to help them grow and scale? Yeah. So, I mean, I've done it. I've read the books. I've gone to the conferences. I've done the workshops and the seminars. You know, it really, it comes down to, it's kind of a two-part process where you need to learn and then you, you have to build your knowledge tree and then you have to figure out like how to do it and then get it done. I mean, think about this. You two people want to win a gold medal. Okay. doesn't matter what sport. One person's with a buddy and some books and videos in their garage, just fumbling around trying to figure it out. Fully has the opportunity and potential to go and win a gold medal. But this competitor down the street went and hired someone who's been there, done that, already won a gold medal, maybe even got a team, three, four, five people already won gold medals in that sport. Who's going to have a better outcome? The guy that's trying to reverse engineer everything with some books and DVDs and tips from free Facebook groups in their garage, figuring it out. They'll get there, but they're going to have more mistakes, more injuries, more hesitation, more setback versus the people that get in there. So that's a real big I mean, that's even why I went to the research, but there's this gap between academia and the real world where not everything that academia does is practically applicable. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say, you know, read the books, do the podcast, but now where I'm at right now is I'm, I'm very confident to be able to say, seek us out. If, 
if what I told you can't point you in the right direction, if you can't listen to those eight factors and go, well, this, and I didn't even go through the subcomponents. If you just already don't know your bottleneck, go get help in that bottleneck. Yep. And if you really need help implementation, you can come find us, bestbusinesscoach.ca. Uh, if you want us to come and do an assessment of your company and help take a look at this right now, our mission is to help create 200 new multi-million dollar businesses. How with science and accountability. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the goal is to not just give people fishes, but teach them the fish. I wish someone would just give me a checklist as a small business owner when I started my martial arts school and say, Daryl, just, just make sure you check all these boxes. And then they updated that checklist every week to make sure that I focused on the right things. Uh, but ultimately, you just got to find out what your bottleneck is and then work on it and then just keep working on your weaknesses. Totally. Totally. Love it. Uh, what, what's the best way of people getting in contact with you? Yeah, they can go to bestbusinesscoach.ca. Uh, I'm not oh. trying to be facetious, but that was because when I first launched my my own podcast, I was I was the keyword research. Everybody was searching for the best business podcast. So I was like, I was interviewing some phenomenal people and I was like, these guys are the best business coaches. So I'm gonna put, so it's not to be facetious. It's just, it's just, um, it just is what it is. So bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California. And, um, or just look me up, Daryl Urbanski online. And again, you don't have to come to me. I'm, I'm doing these interviews to try to give away the knowledge for free. So at least people point Jim Rohn has this great quote. If someone is headed in the wrong direction, they don't need motivation because then you just have a motivated idiot. What they need is to be redirected in the right direction. And then whether they're motivated or not, they'll eventually get there. And so yeah. I'm doing these interviews to give away these eight factors and as much of the research I can on these short calls for free to help point people in the right direction. Because we really do need business owners now more than ever. You know. Yep. I, I fundamentally believe the biggest challenge in the world is unemployment. And I, I think the, fundamentally that's the reason why I do what I do, right? Like the more people we can help uh, put business owners on the right track and build bigger businesses and employ more people, the better place the world will be. So 100%. Yep. 100%. Excellent. Thank you for your time, Daryl. It was a Thank fantastic you. talking with you. Yeah, you too. Honor and Excellent. Pleasure. And to the audience, we'll be back again next week. Thank you for hanging on all the way to the end. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.